0: Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley, devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody.
1: I just noticed it was Friday the 13th. For all you superstitious folks out of there, you really got to get over this. You got to get over it. This is the day the Lord has made. And we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to Morning Devotion, Everett, Patty, Jerry, Winnie, Millie. Some of you have been with us since the beginning of August 2019. We have new additions to our family, our Morning Devotion family. This is, this is the intersection of faith in the 21st century. Yeah. Hope in a Pandemic World. Welcome. You belong here. Share the page with others. Like the page. Follow the page. And let's just see some good things happen in our day. So thank you so very much. Thank you for who you are and what you are doing. So on this Friday, the 13th, oh, my, my, my. Yeah, it's going to be a good day. Amen. It's going to be a good day in the Lord. And for those of us filled with faith, God is in control. Can I get a witness to that? Amen. Amen. Again, we find ourselves, yes, yet again, on the brink, on the edge of night. We're being told again that COVID cases are rising, need to go back into hiding. We are warned not to take sides in epic struggles going on around us. Neutrality seems to be worshipped in our day, Uh taking a stand for truth and righteousness. now. The media is shouting. The media is snarking. Evil seems to triumph on all hands. Yet, yet, think again when you think it's out of control. An army of stars. Why God isn't worried. I I wish you would share this with some folks and just help them through this world today, because today we're going to talk about the heavens to gain a better understanding of what's happening on earth, what's happening in the here and now, and more importantly, what we're on the precipice, what we're on the edge of happening. Because when the night grows dark, the stars come out. My thought is really that simple today, and yet it's much more complex than that, because you and I have a role to play. Let's go to the root of resistance, the anthem of uprising, the hope of a new tomorrow. And of course, that's who you are. That's what the church is. We are the ones that resist the rising tide of darkness. We sing in the face of the storm, and we hold to the hope that there's a new day dawning and a new day coming. Amen. There's a description used by a Christian scholar in the 19th century that I want to borrow, a description used to describe the church, and also that scholar, that 19th century and into the 20th century scholar and his wife. Interesting story. They had a suicide pact, would have carried it out had they not found the writings of a 13th century scholar, and I'm going to borrow something from him today as well. Yeah, yeah an army of stars. God isn't worried. This is the remarkable truth about God's creation. So Angela, Wilma, Donna, Clifton, I want you to know we're in good hands. God is in control. When we say church, we tend to think in terms of steeple. Yeah. When the Bible uses the word church, it generally refers to people. We spend an inordinate amount of time focusing on physical structure and down through time and history, we see that the soaring cathedrals of the old world. We sacrifice, rightly so, to provide a place for generations to worship, for unbelievers to find God. And I think this is a great, good, lovely, noble aspiration. But in our focus sometimes on the steeple, we lose sight that the church is really just a fellowship of people, people like you and me people called out from the world to be lights to a dark world. It was a revelation to that couple who had an unusual history. Uh, Jacques Maritain was a scholar in every sense of the word, student of philosophy at the Sorbonne in Paris, born in 1882, entered adulthood into the difficult opening of the 20th century. At the Sorbonne, he met his wife-to-be her name was Raisa, a Jewish immigrant from Russia, and together they entered a suicide pact. If they could not find the meaning of life, they were going to end their lives together. Their lives were spared because they stumbled upon the writings of the 13th century Christian philosopher named Thomas Aquinas, whose simple statements, everything that exists must have a cause led them to embrace that created things and creatures demand a creator. And through such understandings, they came to believe in God. They would endure the difficult Bolshevik Revolution. They endured the First World War because Raisa was Jewish. They fled to the United States at the opening of the Second World War. He would teach at Princeton. He would teach at Columbia. Raisa was a philosopher and a poet as well. It was she who wrote the words, the Christian vocation is to walk on water without any human support, in pure faith, in hope, and in pure charity. Even without any feeling, we keep our gaze fixed on God. Yeah. The Maritan story describes the sheer immensity of kneeling together and praying in faith the Lord's Prayer and the profound certainty that it gave them to face all odds. It would be Maritan in his many writings who would go on to theorize the nature of the church. It was him who adopted an expression to describe the church that you see on the screen today, an army of stars. You see, he studied how people of faith respond to modern times and the ever-pressing world around them, a world of, a constant motion without God. And he settled on that metaphor for you and me, the righteous, that we are an army. Of stars. It's our tendency to cloister ourselves away when we face difficult times to build yet more buildings and retreats and convents and monasteries and hide away from the world. But that's not what God wants for us. In the face of a modern and even a postmodern world, He wants you and me to act as His heavenly host, His angelic army, to be an army of stars in the night sky. One of my favorite descriptions of God is found in Isaiah 40. Wow, that prophet faced rough times when God asked, so so who is like me? Who holds the candle to me, says the Lord. Look at the night skies. Who do you think made all of that? Who marches this army of stars out each night, counts them off, calls them each by name. So magnificent, so powerful, and never overlooks a single one. He is the one that marches the army of stars out into the dark sky. Now, some translations will call them the host of heaven. How how were the ancients to describe a phenomena phenomena that when the sun went down and the darkness came, that stars like an army marched out across the night sky. It was to them a sign of hope. But God said, that's my army. That's my army of light in the midst of darkness. That's my hope in the midst of despair. In scripture, the word stars includes all heavenly bodies, planets, constellations, galaxies, everything but the sun and the moon. Ancient Hebrews knew very little about the starry heavens, and there's little said in scripture about astronomy or the study of the stars. Shepherds like Amos and Job and David spoke of stars. The Bible's patriarchs, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, drew lessons from the stars, but they recognized stars to be metaphors, symbols, Princes and rulers were often called stars. The angelic hosts were referred to as an army of stars. Jesus is spoken of as the star that shall come forth from Jacob. He is the bright and the morning star. At no time in scripture are you and I commanded to chart our lives by the stars, that practice is condemned in scripture to put a created thing before the creator is a form of idolatry. Maimonides though, the ancient Jewish teacher says one of the reasons God destroyed the world in the flood was that everyone had begun to worship the stars and that's why they keep building these towers to go into the heavens to draw nearer, not to God, but to the stars. We serve the God who comes down Yes, we don't need to climb to get to God. He descended that we might ascend. We can't abandon the everlasting rock in favor of worshiping stars. But just as flowers, plants, animals bear the fingerprints of the creator, so too do the stars. In five words, in Genesis, he made the stars also. Five words to describe the glories of the heavens, the stars. They seem like little points of light, but they're really massive luminous balls of plasma that shine and twinkle in the night sky. To get a better understanding of a star, look at our own sun, because our sun is a star. Our planet, some 8,000 miles in diameter, our sun is some 900,000 miles across that it means it would take more than 100 earths to span the width of the, the width of the sun if the sun was a hollow ball it could hold about a million earths inside of it and compared to the other stars in the heaven ours is quite average some are smaller some are cooler some are larger some are hotter some are so large that if located where our sun is now the diameter would swallow the earth Thankfully, the sun is a long way from the earth. If you could actually drive a car to the sun, our nearest star, set the cruise control on 60 miles an hour, it would take you 176 years to get to the sun. Light traveling from the sun takes about eight minutes to reach the earth. So far away are many stars that the light we see, we are told it's millions of years old. These stars are long since dead, but their light lingers on. And the temperature in the middle of the sun is at least 10 million degrees. Why are we talking about the stars? We're talking about the stars because God marched those stars out into the night sky. He marched them out into the night sky to give life, to give warmth, and to give hope. And you and I are in a part. We're in a metaphorical company, the army of stars. In that expression the Meritans found enough hope to live on. They found that the darkness of the 20th century plagued with revolutionary war and war at the beginning, that God would march out his army of stars. God would put people of faith in the night skies, people that stood in dark times. Can I tell you, can I tell you in 2020, can I tell you in this crazy year that we're living in, that the darkness does not bother God. The darkness does not worry our God. It doesn't cause him to lose sleep because he neither sleeps nor slumber. God is not apoplectic. God is not perplexed. God is not wringing his hands in despair this Friday, November 13. No, because God has an army He has an army of stars and like Gideon's 300 of old in the hills at night above the encamped Midianite multitude. When the trumpets sound and the lights are revealed, when the voices shout against darkness, we may be fewer, but we are an army of stars that's more than capable of seeing victory in our day, Do you know that this army of stars were going to appear in the darkest moments and God's majesty will be seen and his majesty is greater than my fear and his plan is more intricate than mine. He takes the darkness. He scatters an army of stars into the night sky and says, I didn't make you for fortresses. I didn't redeem you for you to hide. I open your hearts and your minds and your eyes to be light. Lights in a dark world, reveal me, reveal my plan, reveal my hopes and dreams. God is personal, and we have emphasized that. He loves you and me. We sing, yes, Jesus loves me, and we should. But can I say that this is a day and an age to get lost, not in the personal qualities of God, but the majestic qualities. And rather than just singing, yes, Jesus loves me, we need to sing "Our how great is our God and, and uh, how great thou art. And our God is an awesome God. Listen to me. We are like God, but God is not like us. God does not get fearful. God does not grow doubtful. God does not work. Worry. God's not having a panic attack. He does not look in the world and say, oh no, what shall I do? He's never caught off guard. He's never caught without a plan. And you, are his plan. You are his plan. You and I are part of the army of stars, and that's what the Maritans saw in the face of Nazism, in the face of Bolshevikism, in the face of Hitler and Stalin, that when the world gets dark, and the enemy seems to have won, and things look the bleakest that God is going to march out his army of stars into the dark time. You are the world's answer in such troubled times. I mentioned earlier that Jacques Maritain found the beginnings of his answers through the writings of Thomas Aquinas. It's not a name that we think of too often. But in fact, from that man came the school of philosophical thought called Thomism that there is a God behind creation. Can I describe Aquinas just a moment? He joined the Dominican Order in the Middle Ages, had a, he had a lot of issues. He was a very heavy set man. Uh, People made fun of him. People mocked him. His fellow students called him a dumb ox. Yeah, yeah, it was rough. His teachings in Paris brought controversy. People were hostile to the man. He was rejected by his friends. Yet he never ceased to pray, and he never ceased to write. And his books championed the idea that God is behind it all. He wrote many books, many writings, many articles, many poems, But on December the 6th, 1273, something happened, something that caused Aquinas to stop writing. He was working on his magnum opus, his life's greatest work. The work of a lifetime lay unfinished because Aquinas had seen something in a vision. And for him to not write was like asking Aquinas not to breathe. And people grew very concerned. One of his closest associates to whom he dictated came and said, why aren't you writing? Why aren't you writing? I cannot, Aquinas replied. I cannot. The man whose mind was always focused upward and outward could not find the feelings to describe what he had sensed. The man whose life was devoted to defending what he viewed the faith to be, he he had no defense for not picking up the pen. The man whose world was confined to prayer and study and writing, he had come to this fork in the road. And he couldn't explain why. How could he explain? How could he explain not writing anymore? The writings that eight centuries later the Meritans would find hope in. To explain it all would mean that something that Aquinas couldn't admit. But finally, when he was pressed to explain why he had stopped working on his life's greatest work, he said, I can write no more because all that I have written today seems like straw, straw. Whatever Aquinas saw in that vision in December 1273, whatever he experienced or heard caused him to realize that there is a world out there more real and far more extensive than we can imagine, that there was something beyond his mortal reach and comprehension that he could not put into words. It must have been what Ezekiel felt, when he was lifted into the heavenly realm and all that he could say was wheels. I see wheels. I see creatures, four faces. I see cherubim. I see, I see angelic. I see motion. I see. And he could not describe what he was seeing that Aquinas had seen something that was far beyond his comprehension. It was 11 years ago. And I referenced this Sunday. 11 years ago, I was deep in study on a certain subject I'd felt led there by God, a subject that had rested my attention, one that occupied my every free moment. And I hate to say one that would not escape my mind when it, my mind should have been on other things. But I was deep into that study, deep into my reading and pulling together resources. I'd already begun to outline a work, but it was as if God slammed his hand on the table and said, not now. There were other things I needed to focus on. Besides, the world wasn't ready and the church would have never believed it because the time was not yet. I started sensing the stirrings of this subject when I wrote the book on prayer. When I got through recording that book aloud for an audible format, I started sensing that stirring in my heart again. It was two months ago. I didn't hear the shout of God. I only heard his whisper say, now, now, and so old files are being reopened, old books are being dusted off, resources are coming back together, because what I'm looking at now, it may not sound new, it's very old, but it has captured my attention as surely as that heavenly intervention captured Aquinas in 1273. I believe. I believe. God is up to something. Just as I did with the book on prayer in these morning devotions, I'm going to start building, building the structure of what God is sharing with me right here in these morning devotions. You're going to hear my thoughts. You're going to hear me wrestle with things. I'm going to begin to try to pull things out of my heart and mind and what God is saying to see if dots can be connected and things make sense. I believe as we gather together, we're going to realize something. When the world seems the darkness, God's not worried. He's got an army of stars that he is marching into this darkened sky. God is doing something. He is letting the church throw off the mantle of modernism to lay hold on her true existence, that you and I are lights to a dark world. I asked God recently, I said, God, what's going on? And I sense God say, I'm here. I've always been here. Always will be here. I'm not worried. And you shouldn't be worried either. Yeah. Can I continue with the words of Isaiah when he said, you know, here's what, here's what God said to me. Why would you ever complain, O Jacob? Why would you whine, O Israel, saying, God's lost track of me. He doesn't care what's happened to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? This is what one translation said. God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's the creator of all you can see and imagine. He doesn't get tired out. He doesn't pause to catch his breath. He knows everything inside out. His nearness is closer than my hurt. His majesty, greater than my fear. God's not worried because he's revealing to me and to you in the 21st century, in the year of 2020, He's got an army of stars that's preparing to throw off the cloak of darkness and the cloak of obscurity, the bushel baskets of intimidation, mixed purposes, and uncertainty. And the church is about to be seen as an army of stars. Thank you for being with us this pivotal week. I look forward to seeing you again Monday. God's laid something already on my heart for next week. Would you go out and would you be an army of stars today and share the glorious gospel of the Lord? And may God be with you. May God shine on you. Leave your prayer requests. Encourage one another. Share with others. You and I, we make up an army of stars. God bless you.